Are you curious about, interested in, or working within the field of anesthesiology and you are a woman, person of color, or otherwise do not fit the stereotypical image of what an anesthesiologist looks like? Then this is the podcast for you. We will discuss what life is like on the other side of the blue drape for us. Issues most relevant, such as what is anesthesia really? And we're not talking textbook definition. Tips for applying, success in residency, life as an attending, and beyond. Join us each week as we take a dive into this rich and often misunderstood field. This is your host, Dr. Alicia Peterson, and welcome to Sivo Sisters. Hey, y'all. Before we dive into this episode, I have to put in a disclaimer that this content is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any information or material as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. (laughs) Uh, We're going to be talking about different ways you can leverage your anesthesiology, knowledge, We're going to discuss four ways in particular. Please enjoy. Welcome back, y'all. Today's Q&A is what ways can anesthesiologists leverage their skills outside of the OR? What side hustles are available? I am so glad you asked this question because honestly, the possibilities are endless. Don't let anyone make you think that as an anesthesiologist, you're just a one-trick OR pony because you have many transferable skills that are lucrative. The question is, what are you going to do with those skills? Because if you stay in that OR long enough and don't make the time to explore other ways to leverage your skills, you're going to get burnt out and demoralized. Plus that time you spend leveraging your skills outside of the OR, it actually makes you appreciate the time you spend in the OR it enhances your work. It makes you more interested in your work. It gives it almost like an epi injection. It gives it life again. Now, if you're fulfilled with the variety that's just in the OR at this time, so be it. But if you start to ask yourself, is this all there is? Then it's time to start probing that curiosity. Now, we're going to cover a few big buckets for you to consider for uh, side hustles slash investments for anesthesiologists. And I'll give examples of real anesthesiologists who are doing this in real life. So this is not just some theoretical framework, some conceptual exercise. Like people are doing this and they're incredibly successful. They're teaching others how to do it too. When it comes to all of these opportunities, you have to be enterprising. You know, these opportunities don't just fall into your lap. But the good news is that the information is there. It's online. So um, I, I will provide you some of the links that I came across uh, of people doing great work to hopefully get you started on um, just educating yourself on what's out there. So one of the big buckets is real estate. Now, I'm not talking real estate agent. I'm talking about you investing in real estate. And there are so many ways to invest. You could choose to be active, an active investor, um, which if we're looking at residential properties, um, being a landlord, and many people fall into being like an accidental landlord. 
when they bought a property during training and then they couldn't sell it. So now they're renting the unit out. Um, But don't limit yourself. I mean, that's such a small, small part of what real estate investing would look like. Uh, You can also be passive with your investment where you put money into a fund or a syndication and then you receive like mailbox money over time. All investing requires you to do some homework, but please don't let this intimidate you. If you could do a liver transplant, this homework is nothing and it should not be considered an obstacle. There are so many ways to invest in real estate and there's so many reasons to invest, whether that be cash flow, having extra money every month coming in so that you don't have to rely on your W-2 income all the time, or if you just want to shelter your W-2 income from taxes, you know, because let's be honest, we, we want to take home as much as what we made. Real estate also will allow us to get our time freedom back because if you just continue to trade your time for money, you're going to always feel behind. You always have to make a choice between am I working or am I living? And it's, that's just not the way life is intended to be. Now, I know that as anesthesiologists, we're very risk averse, but with learning how to analyze deals in the market, you can mitigate that risk and make a great return on your investment, making money while you sleep. So the two anesthesiologists that are really making ripples and teaching others about real estate while doing it themselves, Dr. Chia Jose Fowley, who we had her on podcast season one. Uh, She's known for teaching others how to make money from real estate without owning any real estate through rental arbitrage. And she's now very active with teaching others on short-term rentals. So I'm going to include links to her website because there's so many ways you can make money. Dr. Peter Kim, he's the founder of Passive Income MD, which covers so many different ways the physicians have diversified their income. Um, But he personally also discusses passive investments like syndications where a group of investors would pool money to buy large scale real estate, like huge apartment complexes. And, you know, this carries the upside of making a return on investment, you know, without having to own the property or be the one to, you know, structure the deal. I'm including links for you to check this out because honestly, when you start going down this rabbit hole, it's truly an Alice in Wonderland experience. It's like a whole new world has opened for you. Now, my husband and I, we personally have one quadplex, one triplex, and one single family home with long-term renters in them. And they're managed by property managers offsite. And they only contact me when there's a major issue. You know, so the property manager handles the day-to-day concerns. And I've only been contacted by the property manager really twice during the four years of owning these properties. They ensure that the rent's paid on time and is business as usual. And now we've also recently added to our portfolio two single-family homes with four-plus bedrooms reserved for short-term rentals. And our target market is multi-generational families. The benefit with these short-term rentals is that, again, it can shelter your income from taxes 
and provide a great cash flow. So I have to say that this journey of investing in real estate has been really exciting. And don't think because your parents or family members have had a bad experience with real estate, don't let that color your view of it. I mean, my parents, they only had one property and that's their primary home. And they almost lost that. We've already made progress as far as changing our family tree. Many of us are the first doctors in our family. Many of us are the first college graduates in our family. Just because a family member had a bad experience with real estate, don't let that color your experience of it. As a high income earner with a W-2 job, like I said, you really want to keep as much as you make. Now two, expert witness. Once you're board certified, consider uh, dipping your toe into like reviewing cases for your state medical board. Some medical boards would pay like a nominal $100 an hour for your for you to review cases. Others pay in CME um, and others is just volunteer. So I started reviewing cases for the Texas State Medical Board and like I really enjoyed it. The, the question they always ask whenever they present you with a case is, um, did this physician follow the standard of care? Now, the medical complaint could have been made by a patient, a nurse in the room. It could have been made by anyone. And some of the cases that are presented against anesthesiologists, you know, are just bogus cases. Like, it's very clear that there's not an understanding of what it is that we do, which is why it's very important for us to review these cases, right? Because we don't want um, our colleagues unduly punished for something that really was outside of their scope of practice anyway. Reviewing cases for the state medical board is is a way for you to really exercise your muscle because you know you're you're given this case, you present your argument as to why it did or did not follow the standard of care. You know, you provide some literature resources, you know, you mention what the ASA has said, what our professional societies, what how they stand on the topic. And you know, when you do work like this, you, again, bring a greater appreciation back to the operating room for what it is you do, because now you're more vigilant about things that you wouldn't have known to maybe pay attention to otherwise. Now, I opened up this section with talking about expert witnessing. Reviewing cases for the state medical board is not expert witnessing, but it's related in that you are presented with a question. Did the physician follow the standard of care and you're reviewing medical records? So it kind of gets you in the practice of it. Because when it comes to expert witnessing, many anesthesiologists fall into this by a lawyer contacting them about, you know, can you help us with this case? So it's not something that we would go to someone and say, hey, um, give me some cases. You know, that they tend to um, reach out. And if you're wondering, well, how do they, how do the lawyers find you? Um, you know, many anesthesiologists are putting on their LinkedIn profile, for example, that they're an expert witness. Um, and so that's sort of one way to express that you're interested in this um, and for people to reach out. When you, or if you are contacted by a lawyer regarding reviewing a case, they often will do like a five minute spiel over the phone to you about, you know, what the case is about. And then you can assess if it falls within, you know, your standard of practice. And if you're listening to the five minute spiel and you're like, oh yeah, I could definitely help. 
then what you would do is um, send the lawyer your CV and fee schedule. And the fee schedule really is a contract that expresses that you're being retained. And it also puts on there your hourly rate. Um, Many general anesthesiologists, their rates are anywhere between $550 to $650 an hour. And it goes up as you become more subspecialized. I personally have been an expert witness before and just really enjoy it. It's another way to discuss, you know, cases and and to teach, which I, again, I really like. I would recommend that before you touch any medical record whatsoever, that you get your retainer check. So within your fee schedule, you list how much it would be to retain you. And you don't touch a single page until you got your check because far too often doctors get burned. They get these medical records. They start reviewing it. They did not get paid for their time and they end up not getting paid for their time because they didn't establish what that working agreement would look like. There's examples online of how to create a fee schedule and what a uh, CV for expert witnessing would look like. There's this anesthesiologist, uh, Dr. David Gutman, who has a a website um, regarding his skills in expert witnessing. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes just for you to get an idea of, you know, what people are doing and, and how are they engaging in this space. The third business opportunity is opening up a med spa or a wellness center. Uh, As anesthesiologists, you know, we're comfortable with needles. We put in lines, provide regional anesthesia. We've all done pain rotations in which, you know, Botox is given. You have the skills to establish like an aesthetic practice. Dr. Renee Moran did this. She's someone who I actually met during pain fellowship. She was my attending and she now has um, aesthetic practice. Also, given our expertise with all kinds of medicines in the operating room, like ketamine, you know, many have also started a ketamine clinic. Uh, Dr. Aubrey Verdon, he is the medical director of uh, a ketamine clinic. And before you say things like, well, I only give a ketamine infusion every now and again, or I only use it for induction, guys, keep in mind, uh, if you Google ketamine clinics, a lot of them are owned by CRNAs. So if you think in your extensive training that you don't have enough experience with ketamine, how do you think they're starting it? I mean, you have the most experience. So leverage that. And the final piece I'll talk about is consultation for a pharmaceutical or a medical device company. Being anesthesiologists, we know pharmacology and physiology. And this expertise commands top dollar. I mean, there are clinical trials going on all the time. If you join as an anesthesiologist where you're monitoring patients for side effects of certain drugs, um, you can establish an hourly rate of like $600 an hour. I don't have the link for that particular opportunity, um, but in preparing for this episode, I was just reading about that. Like, oh, oh, interesting. Um, Also, there are many anesthesiologists who have transitioned out of clinical medicine 
in working with big pharma and for medical device companies um, like startups and things, if you're interested in engaging in that, um, make it easy for people to find you. Honestly, it's it's as simple as creating a LinkedIn profile. It really is. So if you're interested in you know any of these opportunities in which people have to reach out to you, like if you're interested in engaging with pharma or a medical startup or medical device company or expert witnessing, put these things on your LinkedIn profile and people will reach out to you. It's an easy first step and it's very low-lying fruit. Now, these opportunities that I listed are really just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, As I mentioned, um, with the Passive Income MD website, you're going to be blown away with all of this value that physicians are providing the world um, through entrepreneurship, through investing. Um, Also, I'm going to put in the link for Doctoring Differently by Dr. Naomi Lawrence-Reed. She's a a pediatrician who has explored this topic of leveraging your medical degree and monetization even further. All right. So here's where I'll provide a little bit of a, I guess, a disclaimer when it comes to this stuff. You know, there's a great deal of stigma in the academic community when it comes to talking about side hustles or leveraging your skills outside of the OR. And don't ask me why, but don't be surprised if when you try to discuss these things with like you're attending or something, it's met with hushed tones, the conversation is shut down, you're kept at arm's distance. (laughs) You know, people fear what they don't understand. And many of your attendings have just toted that narrow line of academic medicine their entire career. They've stayed in that academic bubble and they really haven't explored these other things. So many people fear what they don't understand. Don't let their fears limit you. I want to encourage you to follow your curiosity. And I'd like to conclude this episode with thanking uh, Dr. Sarah Edwards for the Q&A, for asking this question. She recently graduated from Howard and is on her way to go to University of Michigan for her anesthesiology residency. So congratulations to her. And I want to encourage you all to be like her. Submit a question. Contribute to the podcast. We really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of SIVO Sisters. If you love this episode as much as I did, head on over and rate and subscribe so you don't miss out. New episodes drop every week on a Monday because we all can use a little something, something to get us through the week. Am I right? I'd love to hear more from you on the topics that you want to hear. So let me know in the comments. This is Dr. Peterson signing off. See you next time.